This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. The Chosen by Bill Allerton this is a nice little bit of science fiction for people who like science fiction. And if you don't like science fiction, well, um, then listen to one of our other podcasts. But I'd just like to say that I think that science fiction is about opening your mind to all things that either are or are going to be or have been made possible at some point in the past. This is a post-apocalyptic story. And it's about the things that we may become, given disasters, catastrophes, and the odd apocalypse, as I've just said. So, open your mind. Think about this one. It is night time. And uh, it's about someone on, on a, or something, on a quest. The Chosen. Out to the west, a thin line of radiation blues the night. In the distance, dry lightning spins a brief web between sand and sky. That first slow rumble has tempted me out of the hide I dug the night before. I empty most of my kit from the dig and place the first sounder a hundred feet north, then scratch out the trail between them. I primed the sounder and returned to pick up the pogo. The unit is manageable but too awkward to carry and I know I can outrun them without it. I walk twenty paces due east and bury it in the sand, its light motor useless in the total dark. I attach a fine silk filament to the sounder behind me as I leave. Half a mile northeast, I plunge a repeater into the sand and loop the telltale filament around it. The tiny muscle spasms it induces in my right forearm bore my fingers. I move rapidly north-northeast another half mile before reaching into the pack and inserting another. I move on. To the left of a telltale, right forearm. To the right of a telltale, left forearm. It's easy to navigate your way back in the dark. Two miles and three telltales later, I'm heading west following a wind ridge when I smell their camp. I look back between the dunes the way I've come, and it's all black except for the faint glint of disturbed quartz and the occasional flash from the moist filament caught in starlight. Lightning taps suddenly across the near horizon. I move on. The camp is behind the next ridge where the light from the fire damps out the stars beyond the hollow. Filters descend over my eyes to cancel out the stray illumination and in the sudden cold black I miss the security and comfort of my sisters. I stay away from the high ridge points above the camp and crawl down into the curved channel leading towards the place where their loose kit is stashed. Feeling the warmth of the firelit sun beneath me, I wriggle down into it, pushing it over and over onto my back until I'm submerged. I tunnel silently forward, 
looking up only when I sense the coolness of a shadow above me. Inside an hour, I'm under their stash and my head is amongst it, looking out through gaps in the cropped hides and skins. The hollow is filled with their stink, a solid, stolid, useless smell. It carries no message except of what they are. The skins reek where they've used them and touched them, and it fills me with revulsion. Then I feel something else rising inside me. I want to run, to leave this place. But I must stay. I have been chosen. Their bodies lay sprawled on the sand beside the fire. They move fitfully, pushing it into restless mouths beside their feet and hands. They look shabby and indifferent close up, and they are repulsive in a way that I had not anticipated. The filter shifts, and I see them more clearly in the bright glow of the fire. They have hair. I'd been told to expect that, but it isn't soft and flowing and dark like mine. It seems harsh and spiky and insensitively hacked in places. It curls against their heads and webs itself strategically across their limbs. I stop my breath and listen to the chatter of their voices. At times they honk like animals, sometimes together, sometimes singly. I listen for a pattern. Between the honking there's fast, rattling chatter with teeth flashing in the firelight, showing white upon red. White upon red. Why do I think of that now? I've never believed it. It's just a rhyme. I watch them again. While they're quiet for a moment, I compare them. Some are larger, but otherwise they all look the same, even to the smallest of them, who still outweighs me by twenty pounds. The camp is a mess. Debris and the remains of meals are thrown carelessly around, as if they were about to move on. Although we know this camp has been here for several weeks, it's just the way they are. Quietly, I begin to breathe again. I test the changing air. Something new now, but what? As they turn and shuffle, I assess the meat on their bones, sorting by tone and strength. Suddenly, I find my attention drawn to one close by the fire. He will be the one. I feel it. Our father, the last choice, died before I was born. I remember the soaked-dry husk laying in the pit among so many others. And this time, the choice is mine, and I am staking my life on it. All I need now is the dawn. I slow my breathing as they fall back into sleep turning fitfully on the sand while their lean bodies curl slowly like wind-whipped dunes. Their smell is fading now, but under it comes something different. Way out in the desert, I hear the soft crump of thunder. They stir, but only toss and fall back. The one I have chosen opens both eyes, and stares. I can tell they're seeing nothing, just listening. I close my eyes and push out the thought, lightning, just lightning. 
His eyes close slowly. I count the bodies by the fire. Knowing sister has spoken of eight. It seems they have set no guard. I look to the east and watch for the first wash of pale in the sky. It may be some time. I ease my way under the sand and tunnel unsuspected across to where the fire sparks above me and I can feel its warmth on my back. I lie still, pulsing retro. The gland slips its slowing knives into my bloodstream while the heat of the sand helps me to remain supple. I push one arm up to the surface away from the skirt of the fire and sip at the cool air that follows it back down the opening. The terrible smell has gone now, but within the charred cellulose taint of the ashes, alongside it, beneath it, mixed in and subtle, there is a difference. I feel my breath begin to quicken. My blood runs faster and faster until it roars like a river in the dark cavernous silence beneath the fire. I panic backwards along the tunnel until I'm beneath their kit once more. There I stop and breathe slowly until my blood subsides a little. I watch them from the safety of the stash. They're still asleep. I mark their positions in my head and try to relax and understand what has just taken place. Now I'm away from them, the retro resumes its effect. I trip it out with a balance of adrenaline and sit back to think. Whatever it was, it hit me like a pulse of velos, the gland I use when I need to move fast. Maybe it was something I'd encountered beneath the fire, an underground gas or something. Maybe. I push my way closer to the stash again. I press my face in amongst the skins and find myself wanting to rub against them so that my fine hair will be impregnated with the scent. The scent that has become heady and intoxicating. It's all I can do to remain silent. I look out at the bodies cast crookedly around the fire and realise that this is their scent. I cast a hopeful eye towards the east. Only dark. No ribbon of sun-washed sky. Only that slight lessening of stars. I rub my face against the flank of a pale, mottled water-skin and feel the rushing course through me again. I pulse after it with retro and manage a moment's respite, but within seconds... I'm drawn back to the hides, pushing and nuzzling uncontrollably. The sleepers stir. I freeze. Then, in a rush of inexplicable ecstasy, I dive back down the passage I've made beneath the fire. The tunnel is now awash with their scent. I breathe it through me until it fills me with its strangeness. My brain is a galaxy in spin. My arms and legs shake until the sand sifts down around me and the ashes in the fire above click and crackle down, spitting their small flames into the sweet-scented night. I widen the hole I have made and push my head up into the firelight. My choice is close by. 
His foot twitches sand across my eyes, but I feel nothing. The scent pours from his limbs across the sand towards me like a tangible thing. My blood races like never before, and I pull stream after stream of retro until it is exhausted. I force my head around to the east, hoping in vain for the dawn. I reach inside for a little calm and find only conflict. I have to touch this scent, my brain says. I have to taste this scent, my soul says. I have to roll and writhe in this scent, my body says. I have to feel it, taste it, cram it feverishly into every orifice and receptor I possess. I have to become that scent. Now that I know what it means to be chosen. I leap up through the sand. Fiery ashes scatter from my back as I rise, streaking my fine black hair. I feel a shriek form inside my own mouth as I plunge down upon his body. He jerks beneath me, wide-eyed at my scream. His mouth opens and those beautiful teeth arise white like stars from the deep red of his throat. White upon red, white upon red, the words reach out from my childhood and crush me as I fall. White upon red, white upon red, teeth like the stars. And helplessly I bury my scream into that opened mouth tasting his teeth, tasting saliva and flesh, sucking his scent from hair and skin and eyes and breath until I have become that scent. In a maddening wheel of sparks and hot ash, the choice gets both legs between us and throws me aside with incredible ease. I slide across the coals, still watching, my gaze riveted to the mouth and those beautiful teeth shining through the sounds of Get it off me! Kill it! Kill it! I look across the pit I've made where I've leapt from beneath the fire. I see the last hot coals like the hatred and fear in wide-opened eyes staring back at me as I struggle to my feet. In that single look, I see myself. The realisation snaps me back, and using all but the very last ounce of velos, I ingest it as I run. Shifting east, as the telltale hits the sensor in my left forearm, I see the dawn throughout the horizon, suffusing it with deep, fleshy reds. Small white clouds took groundwards along the rim, as if the whole world is opening white upon red to swallow the night. I want to run and run and become a part of it, to disappear with the stars and the night with all its sounds and scents down the throat of a new day as it comes screaming over the horizon but I know it will be filled with hate and fear as are theirs. I turn south and run until I hit the next telltale. Dry lightning pans the ridge to the west, bringing the scent of hot sand fused and broken in an instant. I snatch a look behind me. They're following, but I am outdistancing them and I sense them wanting to fall back. I ease off and allow them to gain ground. I can see that the smallest of them is in front, but following closely with a long, loping, energy-conserving stride is my choice. They ease off along with me, settling back for a long chase. This is not good. I need something, something that will separate them. I can't deal with them all, and even I cannot run forever. 
I make myself stumble. I roll twice across the sand and come up limping. The strangeness of my gait makes me crab sideways across a dune ridge and slide carelessly down the other side. Behind me, I hear a whoop. I look around and the smallest is striding out in front of the pack, my choice running second. A knife flashes in his hand in the pale red seep of dawn. The next telltale I pass is on my right. I'm drifting and need to make it back to the sound of it. They're cutting across, traversing the cord on the arc. At the third telltale, I can hear them. They're closing, but I feel inside and a little velos remains in my sack. I ingest it hopelessly, knowing it is all I have left. I feel my blood lift, and for a few hundred yards, my feet fly across the sand. Behind me, six of the eight have fallen away. In the next two hundred yards I gain fifty, and the smallest falls back, limbs shaking violently. Only my choice remains. The long, loping stride, jagged now and rambling. I imagine I can see the hate in his eyes driving him, glowing like dying coals. I imagine I can see his teeth as a breath rushes wildly in and out of his throat, white upon red, white upon red, teeth like the stars. By the time I make the sounder, I am flagging, hugging the failing dark under the dunes and searching for the head of the unit sticking out of the sand. I know I am near. It convulses my left forearm with every pulse. There it is, its flat, polished head caught up and dripping with dew. I run twenty paces due east and dig frantically for the pogo. Sand blizzards the dawnlight. I wrench the unit out of the desert and scamper with it around the blind side of the dune. Once there, I extend the control rod and the platform. I place my feet either side and wait. My choice comes around the dune to the place where I have excavated the pogo and stops. Breath falls ragged and hard between us and with it comes that most intoxicating of scents. He stoops and kneels exhausted to the sand. His large head bows until his hacked and harsh-mattered hair, pale soaked with sweet, free-flowing, ecstasy-scented juices, grazes the sand. His eyes look up at the small subconscious sounds in my throat. There is fear of me, yes, and even more, hatred for what the radiation has forced us to become. I extend a sting from the tip of a forefinger and gently, almost caressingly, puncture the skin at the base of his neck. I pulse tiny amounts of stun, measure by measure with his racing heart. His mouth sags open, teeth glowing in the blood flush of exhausted flesh. The knife falls from his hand. I release the caliper, tucked into the column of the pogo, and slip it under his shaking arms. A slight touch of the lift button hauls his trembling body upright. I slide his now useless feet onto the pedestal and climb aboard. Pulling out the atmosphere hood from the top of the stem, I extend it down over our heads. I wrap one upper forearm around his shoulders, my lower ones around his waist. With my forward legs, I brace his knees against the column and straddle the pedestal with my rear ones. As I press the button, 
My lips grazed the back of his neck. For a moment I suck harshly against his skin, licking and tasting as I feel myself driven by some deep racial instinct. In the moment before the pogo jumps as high above the dry lightning to where its solar sail will catch and burn in that deep red-gold light, I turn that great head around. His jaw is slack, and the teeth show white and moist with saliva. They are white upon red, white upon red. I smile into his uncomprehending eyes, inject a little more stun as he twitches in my grasp, then kiss the limp, sweet taste of his lips. White upon red, white upon red. Teeth like the stars that will light you to bed. Build your web strong whenever you can. For nothing compares to the scent of a man. Storm the decks and say your prayers over the wrecks and cast your reeds upon the rolling waves. Just lay your fingers on the rails and you will find that without fail vibrations from the engine room. Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... From Nelly. Goodbye. The coal that keeps the fire burning.